at the wine there. Yeah, we've got the wine still. Here's that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the late and the grey episode three. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Bitches. We've heard a lot of what people had to say and it's, it's been pretty nice. We, Thank you. Yeah. We put it out in the world now. The first episode came out and it just kind of sat there without anybody listening to it. Except well, because us. we didn't tell anyone we that didn't it tell existed. Anyone, yeah. <laughs> then we've then shared it, it now and <laughs> people talk about it to me now and people have shared it on Facebook. Yeah, thank you very much to everybody who yeah. shared it on Facebook. That was pretty pretty nice of you. Not, what I didn't give you permission, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't ask me. Oh, right. Um, also, you on SoundCloud, we can see who's been listening, and you said we have people listening in Glasgow. Yeah, we've got people listening in Glasgow. If if you're listening in Glasgow, who are you? Because I don't know anyone who lives in Glasgow. Neither do I. I <laughs> who are you? How did you find us? Yeah. You can find the email address on our bio on the SoundCloud, so you can contact us. And we've had one lovely email. We've had an email from we've... someone anonymous. Anonymous. I know who you are, and you know who you are as well. But it was very kind, very nice to hear yeah, your Yeah, we words. know who you are. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for everybody's feedback. That was It's all very, very kind. Yeah. And it means a lot to us. Mm, it does. Um, hearing your very kind words, and is definitely motivating us to keep going and making more episodes. Like, this has been quite scary, hasn't it? Very scary. But yeah, my, my mother's now found it. Shout yeah. out, mum. Yeah, so's my mum. Shall I give your mum a shout out? And yeah. then you give my mum a shout out. Okay. Hi, Janine. Hi, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to be doing? What are we discussing today? So we're going to recap how our challenges. So for anyone who's jumped straight into the podcast on episode three, George and I are each week taking up a new challenge of trying to integrate a habit. <laughs> a habit which seems to be known as a fad, according to mostly the internet, um, is where we do most of our research, as something that can improve your mental health. And basically just doing it every day for, what is it, like 10 days usually between podcasts? Yeah, 10 days, two weeks. The, the, this anything. one's been about 15, 16 yeah. days. So anything basically in that time frame to see if it improves our mental health and also to just see how it makes us feel generally. Mm. Um, and we keep diaries and then we talk about also a topic regarding mental health. So last week we talked about a freshers experience because this is definitely targeted at university students and we will get onto that topic later. But first of all, we are going to talk about our topics from last week. I'd just like to interject quickly that the, some of the feedback that we've received is saying that these kind of habits that we're creating, the, the effects on our mental health are only felt if we do them for long periods of time. We are well aware of that. Yeah. But the reason we're doing them because the hardest part of creating a habit is starting it and sticking with it. And if we can do it, you can do it. So exactly. we're just, we're testing them out. And we're well aware of the long-term effects of them. And if we'll let, we'll let you know if we've been doing them for a long time and yeah. how they're affecting us. So I'm still doing my headspace from yeah. the first week. I'm not getting up at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have it known. Right, so Phil, what have you been doing for the last 10 days? I have been doing yoga. So I've been following a yoga programme on YouTube called Yoga with Adrian. And I'm doing the 30 days of yoga, which is an intro. Something that will become really evident that you'll see when I talk about this is I went into this hating yoga. My mum is a yogi. She does yoga 
for about, I think it's on average three hours a day. She's a proper, proper yogi, yeah. (laughs) So my mum is hugely into yoga and it's definitely been something that she has forced me so many times to do. I've been to hundreds of classes and I've hated every single one of them because I don't like doing it in front of people. I am what you would consider a very traditionally sporty person in that I like to do things where I pick up heavy things and then run fast and sweat and go, grr. I don't do yoga. I don't bend. I don't like it. I don't think it's fun. But I went into this with a really good mindset, thinking, right, something new. I know how to reason to do it and a reason to keep doing it. I will just read you my diary entries. Day one, felt good. Feeling up for this challenge. Day two, got home from uni, really can't be bothered after a long day. And then I wrote the rest of the diary entry afterwards and I wrote, Christ, that was so hard, but feeling good. Day three, Bit rushed, hard to do whilst also gossiping with housemates. Slept like a baby. So I was actually discussing some hockey drama with my housemate (laughs) as I was doing the yoga. So that was really tricky. But it still made me feel really good. Then I wrote, skipped three days, whoops. That was buds. So we went to Edinburgh. So, and then day four, wow, hard after not doing it for a few days. Made me realise that I'd been doing shallow breathing all week. So that was really interesting. And then day five, allow me to switch off from the turmoil in my brain. So the reason it says day five is because this, so this is my only negative about this. It's really hard to fit into your day-to-day schedule because it, unlike mindfulness, unlike your shower challenge, it's not something that naturally fits into your day. Each session is about half an hour and it's half an hour that you need to be at home. You need to have the space. You need to be in the right clothes. And you need to set aside the time and not be disturbed. So that's quite hard. But if I found the time to do it, my God, did it make me feel good. It made me feel really good. So it's not necessarily something you have to do every day. It's exactly. something you can use so, maybe once a week. Exactly. Like do it for longer, like fewer times a week. The thing that I found that I really liked about it was it gave me exactly what I wanted from an activity which I was doing to help switch my brain off, in that it just allowed me to think about only what I was doing. So I didn't always feel relaxed. A, I'm not very bendy. I can't touch my toes. It kind of just hurt all the time. And I was just farting a lot. And I just, and I just, I just didn't like it. And it just made me feel kind of gross. And I did sweat. And also when she's like in a plank position whilst also like, bending backwards and carrying you know like a baby on her left arm I'm just like and she goes and then just breathe into the plank and I'm there just like shaking like I'm breathing Adrian I feel so relaxed it's just really not very relaxing but so itself is not relaxing it's the after I felt amazing afterwards because it does you know classically get you to focus on your breathing but it was the fact that for that half an hour I was 100% in my body all I could think about was okay what am I doing with my left arm right okay I need to know okay so I need to lock my knee okay I need to focus on my core and all of the intrusive thoughts all of the inner turmoil for that half an hour I could not physically think about it because I was so focused on what I was doing and it almost helped that I don't do a lot of yoga because it meant that I really really had to concentrate and it was it, it was effectively escapism yeah, um, that's that's pretty common 
with most sport though. That's how I feel. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, I get that with netball. Every single time I step on a netball court, I, 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 le- I pause my life. I leave my life. It stops for the moment that I'm on that netball court. So one of the benefits of yoga, I went away and did some reading with my eyes, and it said that effectively the idea of yoga is it allows you to overcome your fight or flight response. So your fight or flight, everyone, for unless you live under a rock, fight or flight is when you have adrenaline pumping through your body, um, when you see something as a threat and you decide, are you going to fight or are you going to run away? And for somebody who has underlying anxiety, you have that constant adrenaline pumping through your body. And that can be really distressing and it gets exacerbated by cortisol levels spiking, which is often why people feel worse in the morning because you have a cortisol spike first thing in the morning. And it's something that I'm sure that people listening who have experienced anxiety, do you know that? And like, George, you know this, like that feeling when you're just out and about and you just feel like there's a threat. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like something bad's going to happen. Something bad. That's your fight or flight response, but it's on all the time, which is so stupid. And so the thing with the yoga was it basically helps you fire your parasympathetic nerve system. So it encourages your heart to slow down, encourages your breathing to slow down, lowers your blood pressure. And with all of those things, you are retraining your brain to go, oh, you know what? There is no threat. There's no threat. And that really helps. So it found, I found that my kind of doom feeling afterwards was very, very low compared to just before. So it was definitely a very positive experience. And I think one, if I was to continue, which I'm going to try and do, I so ding, going to... Yeah. Right, should we leave it, a space? So it worked? It yeah. worked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, should we leave a space for it? Uh, do I get my first ding? Yeah, I think you get your first ding. Here it comes. <laughs> so this is definitely something i want to incorporate into my life although mum, i'm really really sorry i'm not going to come to lano yoga with you (laughs) but the only thing i would say in terms of if this really is going to be a habit i need to do it less often for longer periods of time so instead of doing 20 minutes every single day i need to do an hour maybe twice a week but it's definitely something i'm going to try because it makes me feel good and you know we're talking about mental health Yoga's really good for you, like yeah. your physical body. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, my back is feels amazing. Yeah. I don't feel like an old woman anymore. It's part of that category of exercise just being good for your mental health. Yeah. It's definitely a big tick for me. Yeah. Very positive. Which nice. is nice, given yeah. that the last challenge was soul-destroying. <laughs> anyway, George, what were you doing for the past 15 days? So I, I very stupidly undertook the cold shower challenge, where... <sighs> Every morning. I didn't realise we were not going to record for 15 days. but Yeah, you, the... <laughs> you really didn't lock out with yeah, that one. Yeah, no. So for the last 15 days, I've been having a cold burst shower every morning. It's not been entirely good fun. I'm, I'm going to play a recording now to kind of show you what's going on when I get into the shower in the morning. And it is it's very cold when I wake up because it's November. And then I get into an even colder shower. So, so you're literally just switching the shower on before it's had any chance to get warm. Yeah. And, and you're I'm, stepping straight into I'm it. I'm stepping straight into the shower and it takes about 20 seconds to warm up. That's a maybe, long old time. Maybe a bit longer than that. You can hear quite clearly in the recording when it starts to warm up as well. <laughs> right, so here is the recording. Hello. 
This is Morning George. I'm about to get in my deliciously cold shower. And this is what it sounds like. endured that every day for the last 15 days and I, I'm not I'm not lying I, I, every single yeah, day yeah no you did mornings I was, I was with you you did do mornings it. I was really hungover mornings when I was in a rush I did it like very much begrudgingly but I did do it I guess it doesn't take any kind of you know take time there's, out of your day you're going to be no showering effort. anyway yeah so the only negative that I found was that you didn't want to get up in the morning to have a shower. Mm. There was a little bit in my mind going, oh God, I'm going to have a cold shower when I go in there. That's not very fun. And it makes you not wake up in the morning and it makes you stay in bed longer. So that's one bad thing. And then also actually the other bad thing was you end up taking way longer showers to try and warm up again because you're so cold. Mm. Ended up being late for stuff because I was having too long a shower. So I'm going to, I'm going to read some of my diary after, after that recording. So on Saturday, I was very hungover and actually the cold shower really helped to get rid of my hangover, it says, and enabled me to consume pints while watching the rugby. Shout out to England losing the World Cup final. Yay. The next day, I made a lot of funny noises, which you just heard. Like a labouring monkey. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Monday, noises continued, concerned. <laughs> Tuesday. Unable to control the production of squealing noises when I put my head under the cold water. <laughs> it, it's really bad. And then Wednesday, I think I like this. Floods you with a lot of oxygen and does wake you up. Feels fresher in lectures. I think the waking up effect has lessened every day, but generally making me feel better. Noises persisted. Interesting. So what I found was kind of every morning, when I did it this morning, for example, it... You know, you breathe really heavily and you flood your brain full of oxygen and you suddenly you're awake. But then the effects didn't last very long. Mm. And I think it's one of those ones that kind of over time you get used to having a cold shower every morning. So what I've earmarked it as is a tool to get me up in the morning. Hasn't necessarily benefited my mental health, I don't think. Interesting. But I think in a day where I'm feeling quite low, I go to bed quite stressed. If I have a cold shower in the morning... I would be definitely more ready the next day. Mm. And I did some research on cold water swimming, which is a big step from what I was doing, but there's a lot of effects. Have you ever on... done cold water swimming? No, I've swum in the sea. That doesn't count, does mm. it? No. Well, it depends on the time of year. Yeah. <laughs> it's been cold. Uh, see, I, yeah, I've done it. And I agree with everything you're about to say. Yeah. So. so there's a thing called the post-swimming high. I imagine it's similar to the, the running high. Basically what it is is your brain flooding you with beta endorphins, dopamine and serotonin mm. as soon as you come out 
uh, or get into the water. And all of those things I just said are pretty common chemicals that people know make you feel really good. Yeah, boy. And, you know, are good for your mental health and really kind of kick your brain into gear. And then there's this other thing which I found. All, all of the paper that I found this from will be linked in the show notes. See. Uh, there's another chemical called cytokine. I think I'm saying that right. Which is a chemical in the brain which activates the pro-inflammatory response. And the levels of cytokine are elevated in patients with major depressive disorder. This is something that they've just found from studies that people with depression have a higher level of this chemical in their brain. They also found that people who do cold water swimming regularly have lower levels of cytokine in their brain. So the link that that I'll share with you kind of says that if you do cold water swimming, it could benefit your mental health by lowering your levels of cytokine, which is, you know, that's, for me, that's pretty, pretty good science. Science. (laughs) Science. The science doesn't lie. The science doesn't lie. So it doesn't really link that heavily to, you know, cold showers in the morning. And I'm not sure the relevance of it, but it was pretty fun. I quite enjoyed it. It was uh, definitely an experience. Do you think it's a habit? It is not a habit. Oh no! So I think we're gonna put in a, a klaxon or a buzzer. I don't you know. You didn't give me a klaxon or a buzzer. We didn't leave a space for it. Okay, should we leave a space for it? Okay. <gasps> oh. oh, I don't. I don't know what you're gonna put. I. I don't want to try and mimic the noise because I have no idea what noise you're gonna been putting. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, something okay. like that. <laughs> yeah, that puts like a fifty-fifty percent pass rate though, surely. Mm. But I'm definitely gonna use it as a tool. Exactly. I will never be using getting up at five in the morning as a tool. Yeah, it's not a. That's definitely not a habit. These are not. It hasn't been. Hasn't been particularly fruitful. But mm. I have still been doing my headspace. So, round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's there are only two of us. <laughs> George, what is our topic for this week? The topic. For this week that we have decided to discuss is our experience with therapy. Therapy, 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 therapy. Therapy is something that is quite a big taboo subject. Yes. People don't like to talk about the fact that they have therapy. Mm. People don't know what therapy is a lot of the time. They think it's just talking to someone. Mm. There's a lot of stuff around therapy and what we're going to do is speak about our experiences with therapy and bearing our souls yeah and the best way to go about getting it if you think you might need it Mm. so phil what have your experiences with therapy been i think that one of the most used phrases i think i've ever said in my entire life is everyone could do with therapy everyone could do with therapy i genuinely stand by that i think absolutely every single human being on this planet, if it was possible, could benefit from a little bit, bit of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've had one glass of wine and I feel quite loose. And um, yeah, no, I think, oh God, I've had the bubonic plague this week and then this has not helped. Oh God. Anyway, I think everybody could benefit from therapy because. The beautiful thing with therapy is I just don't think it can be detrimental in the long run. So my experience of therapy has been 
when I was in school, I was very unwell with physical symptoms. Looking back on it now, it was extremely obvious that my anxiety was manifesting itself um, in physical symptoms. I was having, you know, fainting spells, dizziness, migraines, constantly going to the school nurse, and I got sent to, we had a school counsellor. Uh, can't remember his name. I think that's a good thing because he smelled like moths and just was really weird. <laughs> I, it was horrible. And I didn't understand why I was there because they basically, the nurses effectively said, you're not ill, you're making it up. So you need to see a therapist. It was never, this might be anxiety manifesting itself. They didn't understand that. You know, even in the last, yeah, five, six years, the, how far we've come with understanding mental health is insane it would never even occur to the nurses to tell me that maybe that was an anxiety thing. They just went, no, you're making it up. Um, you need to probably see a counsellor about the fact that you're making up physical symptoms. And I was like, cool. <laughs> anyway, awful experience, hated it. Eventually, a really great GP actually told me, you know, maybe you should think about seeing some help. And my mum very kindly helped me find someone locally. Unfortunately, the NHS waiting list was too long and that is something that we could both talk about a lot. But unfortunately, the NHS waiting list, they did not have the resources to see me. And I'm extremely lucky and extremely privileged to be in a position where my parents were able to support me through seeing a private therapist. One thing I think that's worth discussing is the type of therapist that you see. So the guy that I saw at school was called a counsellor. Counsellor is... It's... I don't want to use the word lowest level because it's not about how good they are. It's kind of... Is it the least qualified? Yes, technically on paper. Yeah. I don't think that makes them any less good yeah. than other things. You don't need to go... You don't do have to... Let's... Okay. It's the least amount of exams to get to where they are. But that does not mean that a counsellor cannot be the perfect thing for you. So he was a counsellor. The lady that I ended up seeing um, in my local village was called Anne and she was a clinical psychologist and a clinical psychologist is 50% of the people you will think about when someone says therapist. The other half usually fall into psychotherapist. Now the main differences are a clinical psychologist is more trained in terms of medication and the science in terms of the chemistry of mental health. If you see a clinical psychologist they're going to have probably studied a science at university and a psychotherapist does not necessarily have to have done that. A psychotherapist will be a lot more heavily based on discussing the emotional side of things. So a psychotherapist cannot advise you usually to go on a certain type of medication a clinical psychologist can. So that's the big difference. It's something I didn't know going into it. At the end of the day, it really doesn't actually matter who you see. So I started off with a clinical psychologist just because that was the closest thing to me. She was incredible. I saw her once a week for two years and she got me through my A-levels. And to that, for that, I will never be able to thank her enough. I then made a huge mistake in going cold turkey because I went to uni and I was going to go to uni in London. And everything was going to be good. It's going to be fun and oh my God, I've <laughs> never been so wrong in my life. I'm not saying that uni was bad or anything. You know, I really have enjoyed it. I'm still here, aren't I? Christ. But 
like with anything, you would never go cold turkey. Or if you did, just cut something out. You're always going to have a negative experience <laughs> with that. So why on earth I thought that would be work fine. The therapy is beyond me. So then I got all the way through first year, did a couple of weeks second year, have previously discussed my private school half term, hit a low point and ended up finding somebody at base in London. Yeah, he is a psychotherapist. I saw him once a week for a year and then for the last kind of six months. So when I was away for the summer, I didn't see him at all, but we did kind of Skype and email. And yeah, I think I see him now once every like three weeks. So again, I'm stepping it down. I guess the other thing people don't really know about therapy is, you know, what happens in therapy. Yeah, so there, there are lots of different types of therapy as well. Mm. So what what have, what have you experienced? Like, what, what is therapy to you? So primarily, um, I did something called CBT. Um, I A lot of people will have heard the phrase CBT being thrown around and doesn't actually know what it means. So CBT is something that will be recommended to you by the NHS. Um, it is something called cognitive behavioural therapy. Sounds kind of scary. Sounds like they're going to like connect you up to something and electrocute you. <laughs> um, it's not that at all. If anything, it's quite the opposite. So CBT is what we can do. We can put a link in the notes for this. Um, there's a really nice like graphic that I know on a website which explains it. But the idea is, is you're retraining your brain to react on how to respond to a certain thought. That's So the cognitive part is, you have a thought. And then the behavioural part is, how do I respond to that thought? So it might be, okay, let's go for a really easy example. I get very stressed when I'm in lectures. That is, and you go into the lecture and you think, oh my God, I'm going to fail, I'm going to drop out of uni because I don't understand this one question. That's the cognitive, that's the thought. You've created that thought. The behaviour is then, I'm going to start worrying about that, I'm going to start to feel anxious, I'm going to start sweating, I'm going to panic, and I'm going to catastrophize about that and think about how my entire life is over because I'm going to fail. That's the behaviour. That is your response to that. So CBT is with the guide of a therapist, is you talk through these scenarios. So it's primarily talking therapy. Some therapists will do, you know, using like, you know, visual media. So it might be drawing, painting, writing. But most most therapists will do it just by talking. You say, you know, what's this thought? How would you react? And you talk about it and they go, well, how else could you react? Why, you know, how can you do that? And it's effectively, literally... It's, it's muscle memory. You are retraining the muscle memory in your brain. So you're teaching yourself to respond differently and you have a thought. That is primarily what CBT is. What's the best avenues to go down to try and get therapy? I think your first point of call should always be your GP. GP. Yeah. If you haven't already registered, already registered at your university, register. Register at university. Seek your university counselling service. And if you are fortunate enough to have parents who you think would maybe A, understand, and B, be able to financially support you, look to go private because you will get seen immediately. What is your experience with therapy, George? My, my experience with therapy was I left it way too late. I left it until the point where you know and everyone else around knows that you need therapy. Mm. And it was at that point that I also took advantage of my position and got seen immediately. And it was one of the 
one of the best things that I did. And I went to this amazing therapist just in my hometown. This must have been kind of near exactly a year ago now. Mm. Went to a therapist in my local local area near where I live. And he was amazing. And he just completely got me. And it was a really, is a real big eye opener when I look back on it. And I realised that was, that started a ball rolling that hasn't really stopped since. And then, but since he was in my hometown, I couldn't see him. So I had to get someone in London. He recommended a couple of people in London. I started to go see them every week for most of a year. They didn't do CBT. Mm. They did sort of a combination. It's a weird hybridization is what they said. So every time I go in, it's, I sit down and the therapist asks me how I am. That's how they start it every single time. You can go an entire hour-long session just from those words. Because if you've got something to speak about, that's what they want you to speak about. Mm. But then we can also go in and she goes, how are you? And you go, oh, yeah, I'm all right. Then there's nothing, if you've got nothing else to say, they often have a thing to then bring up that yeah. you've mentioned previously that they want to kind of dig deeper into and give, it a, give a scenario about. There's never awkward silences. There's never an awkward silence. And if there is, it's never awkward. No, it's yeah. a silence that's necessary. Yeah. And then they give, they gave me a whole bunch of ways to kind of overcome what I'm feeling in a nice way, especially as a, a technique that helps you ground yourself. It's you stop and look around at every single thing in your yeah, field of vision. Yeah, I've had this. I've been told this as well. I guess it's a way of giving yourself some perspective on the mm. situation that you are just sitting in a room, that you're just a person. There aren't all these things flying at you. It's just all It brings in you back down to earth. Yeah, brings you back down to earth. For me personally, it made me realise some really important things at a really important time in my life when I was really struggling with the adversity. And it made me, it gave me the right perspective that I needed to make certain actions at that moment mm. in time. And I don't regret doing it at all. And it was, yeah, it's just, it's really, it is an eye-opener. And it's something that I don't think I'll ever stop. I don't ever want to stop. I no. hope that I will be in a position where mm. I can continue this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And something that's really, really important is that the relationship with your therapist, if you don't like your therapist, that's the wrong therapist. Yeah. And they won't take it personally either. They won't take it personally. You then move on. They know that. They know that that kind of, that bond between you is so important and you will find a therapist that works for you. Yeah. That's what you've got to remember. It might be your fourth therapist that you try, but it makes such a difference when you find one that works for you. My God, does it make a difference when you actually have that kind of click and that bond and they understand you. So, yeah. Cool. We've been talking about heavy things. Today. Yeah. This has been pretty, pretty, pretty heavy episode, Phil. And another thing that, like, we probably should, you know, stress is we aren't making this podcast like, bum, ba, dum, bum, bum, look, cured. Like, that's not what we're doing. We are mm. we are in this boat with every single person listening to this podcast. We are also constantly working to see how, that's why we're doing this. This is yeah. why we're trying to create habits, you know. We are constantly striving to see, can we improve our quality of life? And we're doing it by talking a lot and doing stupid things. Speaking of which, what are we going to do next week? Next week? Next week. Next week. That was quite a nice holiday. That was, that's, that's quite good. 
Um, we, we, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing and see if we can outdo each other. <laughs> I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Nah, we'll see. Well, we won't know until we finish it. Hilariously. That doesn't make any sense to these people. They don't know what we're doing yet. Should we let them in on the secret? Do you want to know a secret? We have decided to do a digital detox. Yep. So our thoughts behind this are no social media at all like for none. seven days. Seven days. A week. Phones can be on to receive calls and that's it. No texts or anything throughout the day. Only calls. Yep. Because if someone needs you, they need you. That's kind of fair. Yeah. And then there's one hour in the afternoon yep. from between five and six. Yeah. Not near bed. Not near bed. Where you're allowed to respond to texts, WhatsApps and Facebook messages. Yeah. Just from, we understand, you know, life is logistically difficult yep. without communication on the yep. internet. But still no social media and also no news. We're not reading the news. No news. For a week. Also, we we got to say you, you're allowed to do emails as well because emails are quite an integral part of, of, university. of our university. And if we stop doing them, we will probably We will fail. fail. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm also, I'm not going to do emails on my phone. Yeah. It has to be on a computer. On a computer. Yeah. So phones are just going to be like Wi-Fi off, data off. If you ring me, you will contact me. A dead brick. Yeah. yeah. Basically a brick. Yeah. And that will be that. Yeah, we're going to start today. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so oh. when 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 I leave, I'm not allowed to go and browse social media. Oh. You just have to ring everyone. I'm just gonna have to ring everyone. <laughs> and you're allowed to watch telly, or are we gonna have? To oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah allowed yeah, to watch yeah, telly. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I can live without my Netflix. <sighs> cool. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, we're gonna do a digital talk. Uh, sorry to everyone that we text a lot. Oh, not, we don't hate you. We don't hate you. We are. I will tell you beforehand. Of I'm gonna put something on my social media, being like. I'm going to come off the social media now. Sorry. Also, yeah. won't be texting anyone. Bye. If you need me, ring me. Yeah. Cool. Please email us because I like to procrastinate. Yeah. We're allowed to check our email, so please email us. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> the only way we can be contacted now. Yeah, so you can find it on our bio on yeah. SoundCloud and it is thehabitpodcast at gmail.com. Yep, 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 yep. And we'll hopefully reply with something quite funny. Yep. Please um, keep sharing it. Please keep telling people because... All the feedback's been so positive. The only thing that either of us want from this podcast is even if it just makes one person feel better and one person feel like they're in a group of people who understand them, yep. then that is all we want. So keep sharing it, people. Keep sharing it. Let's try and reach someone who, who needs this. Exactly. And if you're listening in Glasgow, let me know. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who are you? Cool. Fun. Yeah, exciting. Bye. <laughs> won't see you on Insta. Don't see, won't see you for next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>